0: So what was yours again?
1: So I took the test and I'm a ISFP, which is introverted, sensing, feeling, perceiving.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I last time I took it, which might have been like a year or two ago, I was a ENFP. And I think at the time I was really like, oh, this is really cool. This is uh-huh. really, this really gets me or whatever. And now I've grown a little away from it. And now I'm just thinking maybe it just varies each time that people take it. My fiance has taken it like three times and gotten three different
1: right. things. Um, I've taken it probably half a dozen times. And a couple times it thought I was intuitive instead of sensing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they look at when you get the results, most of the time it's like a percentage of your eighty percent introverted, twenty percent extroverted. Sure. And then for the other three, and that's me, it, it's mm-hmm. you know it thinks I'm like right. seventy five to eighty percent introverted, yeah. and then for the um, the other three qualities, I'm pretty close to the half and half. Yeah. You know, so um, you know that. This concept of uh, this personality theory and um, the, all the Myers-Briggs stuff, when I first started diving into it, because basically I took the test and then you start reading the description of what this personality type is. Mm. And I just couldn't believe it was so dead on for mm. me. It said things like muted uh, enthusiasm, you know, I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. And um so in my head I'm like, this is science, you know, this is sure. incredible. And then I started catching drift of the criticisms against it in people's mm-hmm. um uh, people's um you know, um doubts. Yeah. And um like I, I guess it's it's kinda like religion in a way. It's <laughs> like it just helps for, I guess religion is just a way for someone, and in, in f- for at least this is how I see it, to understand the world, mm-hmm. it, a framework to understand the world better. And personality theory for me has been very helpful because, uh, like, for example, the seven people on the lips, the flaming lips. I started hypothesizing who everyone was, you know. Sure. And I hypothesized who my wife was. She took it. I was right. Oh, okay. And then, (laughs) you know, you'd read about the way your personality type interacts with the others. And then I started applying it to my kids. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, so if I have a child that's this type, what can I find out there that talks about the struggles for a kid of of that personality type mm-hmm. and it just seems so dead on sure and the things to encourage them and that there's some of you know their hidden strengths that you haven't realized yet what those might be mm-hmm. it's been really incredible sure yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and i'm sure that there are psychologists and stuff that probably look at those and go, well, there's more to personality than like these four things or yeah. whatever it might be. Uh the I remember listening to a conversation with someone who said that there might be another one for cuz there's like psychological personality traits. Uh I can't remember all four of them. It's like agreeableness, yeah. uh introversion, extroversion. For uh, sure. Uh, I can't remember the other two, but uh, like aggressiveness and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then another one that they were talking about, maybe adding to that would be selfishness. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it factors into that. So how many things do you do that sort of benefit yourself? And sometimes there are people who are, uh, takers and uh, balancers or givers uh, so I mean I think that maybe the the doubt that I've had with those personality things is that yeah people are much more complex than those things but but also that we can always take a different lens on every single thing and and kind of go oh well if you look at it through a lens of selfishness, then that kind of reshapes how you view it. If you look at it through a lens of agreeableness, that kind of shapes how you view it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, people are more complex than just dividing the whole world into 16 different personality types. But uh, as far as the broad strokes, Mm. I think it's a really useful tool. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, my whole life... I've been told, you're shy, you're quiet, you're serious. Mm-hmm. And these have all been told to me as if these are faults. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So to have that kind of stigma around me my whole life kind of fucks with you. Yeah. And um, at least it has me. And um, then to, to see something that says, okay, you're an ISFP. Here's... Here's how you think about things, and here are your characteristics and and to and to see something that says that's the way it is mm-hmm. instead of uh here's you what's wrong with you, and you have to change yeah. that's I can't believe i'm thirty seven years old, and um it's taken this long to be like, "Oh okay, so it's just me and i these these could be my strengths, mm-hmm. and you know. You can work on your weaknesses, but you know maybe they'll always be your weaknesses or your weakest link or whatever. Sure. But it doesn't mean they're weak. It's just you excel at other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I, I do like to have more of a. Uh, uh, who, who was that book? Carol Dweck uh, mindset. Uh, that book we had to read it for my developmental psychology class whenever I was still a music education major, but it it really helped me sort of grow and and pun intended that the book sort of talks about two different mindsets, which is uh, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And Ever since then, and kind of even before then, I, I always had this growth mindset, which is while there are some things that are set in stone, you can, if you just have the mindset of you can work on it and not necessarily fix it, but work on it, there are things and weaknesses or whatever it might be that you can overcome. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that while people have sort of maybe a predisposition to have certain weaknesses in certain areas, I think that uh, I find it not necessarily harmful, although in some cases, yes, uh, to to go, this will always be a weakness or something. Yeah. But I do think that having an understanding of this is something that I'm sort of predisposed to have a weakness at and so I should approach it in this way and yeah I think that uh, that helps people a lot overcome those things but yeah
1: self-awareness is so huge <laughs> and there's so many people that I see struggling that I feel like they just don't have the self-awareness they need yeah and that sounds really pretentious to say <laughs> but uh And I I think I've been guilty of that plenty, plenty of times. So the difference between, back to your book, the fixed mentality and the growth mentality, Mm. it's probably similar to like the difference between if you're intuitive or if you're sensing. Um, I believe with sensing you're Relating new information to the past mm-hmm. and how it compares, yeah, and with in- intuition, you are examining the possibilities, sure of what could be, and um I'm probably more sensing, but i've I've taken the test a couple of times that said I was intuitive, mm-hmm. but i'm I feel like I'm trying to embrace the the intuitive side of it, sure, where. I think most of my life I've felt nostalgic about things and thinking about the past and romanticizing the past and are just getting in a loop of um, of reliving painful things from the past. Mm-hmm. And lately, I feel like I've been in a good place where I'm just concentrating on the future and the possibilities.
0: Yeah,
1: And I'm imagining that's... The nuts and bolts of that, min- that
0: yeah, kind of. It, it's like um, understanding that you can grow, that everything can grow and adapt and evolve. That's kind of what I have my three things as a sort of guide for my life. And so the the I might be wrong is that aspect of it is mm-hmm. that I can I can adapt and change and where I am right now might not be necessarily the right answer mm-hmm. or or the, the the best answer. And so I like thinking about it in that way that um, I always kind of relate it to astrophysics or a little bit. That the whole universe is expanding and growing and changing and Uh, everything is flowing and the way that life has adapted on Earth is a result of not necessarily us being a certain way and then just staying good. It's about us changing and adapting, which is how life has progressed over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that... Might be more of what the growth mindset is is that not so much that I am this way, but it's I can be better, yeah, or I can improve or adapt at least adapt, <laughs> adapt, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do find that I've gone on either side of the uh extrovert introvert thing that uh. I mean, people refer to it as, like, ambiverts. Okay. um, That I like performing and playing music, and that's definitely an extroverted thing. And I like talking to people like this, and that's an extroverted thing. But there's also lots of times in social situations where
1: if it's more than, like, six people, I just... Clam up. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) shut down. Yeah, I think it's, like... They would if you could take the test, it would if you're kind of in the middle, it says, you exhibit both qualities, but you prefer this one mm-hmm. yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, and back to like the criticism of um you can't pigeonhole people, sure sure, you can't, but um this is a pretty decent, pretty bulletproof uh mm-hmm. framework to to at least yeah you know reference people out of
0: right. And, and I think I remember that learning about being an ENFP helped me feel more comfortable about the ways that I approach yeah. both myself and how I approach other people. Yeah. And that, uh, I do tend to intuit or, or feel how other people, like I'm, I'm an empath in that way. And I think that that clarified that a little bit more for me
1: yeah Um, one funny thing about touring that it shed light on for me is uh, usually on the road thing about being on tour that people that haven't done it don't realize is how much of it is just being around people mm -hmm. and sitting in this room like me and you are for hours you know (laughs) uh trying to find a way to pass the time to fill the time mm-hmm. and on days off on the road usually everybody goes out to big group dinner mm-hmm. or something or goes to a bar or whatever sure. and i'm notoriously uh known for not doing those things <laughs> and cuz in my head i'm like i can't do that i got to sure. i got to be in this hotel room and you know relive the history of KISS on YouTube <laughs> so that tomorrow I can face the day, you know? Sure. And then when you start reading about how introverts get their energy, mm-hmm. well, they get it from not being around people. Yeah. You know, and they recharge and it's like, okay, of course. Well, of course, that's why I am this way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the way you... Yeah, yeah. It's the way you uh, get energy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Um. So in the past, when I felt bad about being one of the few that doesn't go out to the big group dinner, it's like, no, it makes total sense, I think. Mm -hmm. And I have a really good friend
0: that's that's that way, too. And um, he used to be involved in in our cosplay group, uh, and we would, like, perform and do skits and stuff. And over time, as we kind of realized, like, this is just, like... Almost harmful to him. <laughs> yeah, like, it became more just a lot easier for us to go. Oh, okay. Well, let's just let him leave it be because it's like actually kind of like hurtful.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in touring, if you don't if you don't have a strong self awareness, I think it's there's a lot of opportunities to really do some damage to yourself because you you don't know how to regulate yourself in these situations um you know if you if there are on average 100 beers in a dressing room every day <laughs> and you you know you can't figure out that maybe you you shouldn't drink you know 10 a day um there's just it's um uh, touring touring can really mess with people uh myself included um if you if you can't if you can't set boundaries for yourself and mm-hmm. um being around people all the time if you're as severely introverted as i am yeah it can really mess you up
0: yeah um so where does the desire to perform music fit in
1: that's that's a good question I mean if you if you read about isFps and and one of the nicknames for that particular uh, personality type is the composer mm. but if you are a esFP which is just changing one letter from introverted to extroverted mm. I to e, one of those nicknames is the performer mm. yeah, so it gives you. You're one step away from being. <laughs> yeah. And um, and those people can be pretty different, you know, and it's just one quality that's different. But I've always wanted, had this urge to perform from, you know, just performing for my parents on their couch with air guitars, you know. Um, I think the difference between my personality type and maybe people that are extroverted is uh, I don't want it to be all about me (laughs) and I can't be the, I don't like to be the main focal point. Sure. Um, with ISFPs, it's written that you're a supporting player Mm. and it can be a, a key supporting player, Yeah. but it's more about, it's more about, uh, you know, the sum is greater, the yeah. The whole is greater than the sum of parts. Yeah, What's yeah. the saying? Yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, I've done, growing up, you know, I did talent shows where it's just you, me playing piano and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I get really freaked out when yeah. it's like, okay, you're the focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a fan, yeah.
0: Yeah, and... I'm kind of struggling with that, too. Um, again, I'm still kind of figuring out where I am on the extrovert, introvert thing that I've kind of just accepted that I'm somewhere in the middle. That, um, I mean, so like tomorrow I'm playing a show and my band is Santiago Ramones.
1: Right. That's a very extroverted <laughs> Yeah. Uh, billing.
0: <laughs> but I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> like, I don't, while, cause the thing is, it's my music. Uh huh. And I got the band, I basically just asked people to play with me. So it's still my music. I just don't want to, like, yesterday in rehearsal, I was like, I need to find a time to introduce
1: all of you. Because. Uh-huh.
0: I cannot just take all this credit for me.
1: <laughs> I think um, I think about music that I like personally and in cases where it's, you know, commonly thought of as just one person, but it's a band name. Yeah. Like the Mountain Goats. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think it's just John Darnielle. The Magnetic Fields, another band that people... is is the brainchild of Stephen Merritt. Mm -hmm. Those are two people that I believe are pretty introverted.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Whereas maybe if they were just as extroverted as they are introverted, (laughs) it would have been their names. So maybe you lean extroverted, but you have these tendencies.
0: Yeah. And I think it might also be that I just have a giant fear of the ego.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Getting out of hand.
0: Yeah. Because... I'm like, we're required to be humble, <laughs> like yeah. sort of socially we're required to be humble. But
1: some at, people are rewarded for not being that though. Somehow they've pulled off some, sure. <laughs> some vibe that, yeah, but I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. Well, like I, I can't stand much of anything that Kanye West says anymore. Yeah. Um, And that's an example that like, I can't really separate art from the artist anymore. Um, But I don't think, I don't think that's healthy. (laughs) Yeah. To to give someone like the, this power or whatever it might be. A platform. Yeah, to let them know you are amazing. No one can get in your way.
1: It's it's it makes for a lot of really destructive lives, but also can make for a lot of really great art. So if you consume the art, it can work out pretty well. But if you're that person living that life, it can be pretty unfulfilling or destructive.
0: Sure, and and I, I kind of see that with all of the kind of products of the machine of of pop music that are uh, I say that kind of with a very negative connotation, but uh, someone like Justin Bieber, whenever he had sort of his like crazy thing that happened with him, it's kind of clearly what you did to this person was from a very young age, you told him he's amazing and everything that he does is wonderful. And then you gave him all of this money and all of these fans and told him, look at how wonderful you are. Mm
1: Mm-hmm you enable them to become the monster that they are yeah. <laughs> that they've become and then and then we very quickly take them down when we feel like ah, you've gotten out of hand yeah yeah <laughs> now we hate you yeah and
0: um uh, and how do you expect someone like that to to like come down from that and be like oh i'm supposed to just be like everyone else now yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's yeah, you're kind of uh shedding some light on uh as as consumers some of the the bad behavior that <laughs>
0: And but with that like I don't I don't like being sort of the, the center. I don't like being the ego, but at the same time I made this sort of branding SEO decision to make it all my name yep. because uh, I do composer stuff, I do electronic stuff, and I do singer-songwriter stuff, and it's all me, and putting different names on all of it kind of splinters the whole thing. And so I'm just like, eh, let's just put it all me. But then it's all about me, and I'm f- afraid of the ego.
1: <laughs> well, I would say if you're struggling with that, then you just assign it another name. hmm and everything becomes under that name. Aphex Twin would be another example. Someone yeah. I was just listening to yesterday, severely introverted person, goes by Aphex Twin. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the latest Mountain Goats record, I, I believe there are songs that John Darnielle doesn't even play instruments on maybe. Hmm. There are a lot of different musicians and really high caliber session guys. They're his songs he's singing, they're his lyrics, yeah, but he's using all these different players to and a different producer to produce the final thing,
0: yeah
1: um and that's
0: that composer type
1: exactly like, yeah
0: um
1: you're the you're the guy making the thing, yeah, you're designing the hamburger and they're <laughs> making it
0: yeah well and and that's how. I like doing stuff like that too. Like for, for my masters, I had to do, uh, this concert, this recital to kind of show all the stuff that I've been working on. And so only like two of those I performed, Mm -hmm. um, the rest, it was just everyone else playing my stuff. And I really enjoyed that experience. Um, and then it's kind of weird to taking that to like the, the commercial music or the contemporary music perspective, because a lot of times it's like, Oh, the band is like the people playing it. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little interesting that there can be sort of both sides to that. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm still figuring out where I where am, you uh, fall. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So with your degree, mm-hmm. with what with the composition projects you're talking about, what's what did you write and how did it have to be performed and like what was that?
0: So I mean, I could have done anything, but I, I there was a set of. Seven pieces and then four more after that. But the seven pieces were a music cycle or a, a, a series of pieces that are sort of like an anthology of essentially Black Mirror, but with music. Um, exploration in the future and technology through different musical ideas. So there was two electronic pieces, an uh, electroacoustic piece with a choir, an art song, a women's choir piece, and a short opera, uh, which was all kind of telling different stories in the future and technology.
1: It's ambitious.
0: Yeah, well, it was fun. Uh, um, and thanks, I think, uh, (laughs) sometimes ambition isn't a positive thing, but, uh, and then the other four pieces was a brass quintet, a piano solo, and two, uh, big band jazz songs.
1: These are all performed? Yes. Wow.
0: Um, I've been hesitating on putting it up on things because I want the video first. (laughs) Uh, um, and the guy who filmed it has it, yeah. But <laughs> and it was madness to try and get it all put together. Obviously, I had like forty-two musicians involved in everything, like total. Yeah. Um, the big band was the biggest thing because it's five saxes, four trombones, four trumpets.
1: Did you get? Section. Did you get into a position where you felt like you were? Uh... Having to tell a section they were not playing it the way you wanted it, or anything like that, were you actually confronting people and I think it was more um, and well, do you have do you do that in your band with uh, other musicians yes, sometimes because um, that's for me that's been a really <laughs> difficult spot to be in
0: yeah um, yeah it's most of it. Gladly, with like classical musicians, most of it was in the sheet music, yeah. And it's like, if I didn't say it on the page and you're doing it, then why are you doing it, yeah? yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I didn't put anything there that shouldn't have been there, and as long as you do everything that's on the page, I will be happy with how it sounds, yeah. Um, that's harder, obviously, to do with a contemporary setting where it's not like written out music, but it's just, Hey, I like did this demo and play it like I did on the recording. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of an interesting thing. And the, the hard part too, has been like respecting people's musicality. Like I got these musicians because I know how good they are. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes uh, it's like, oh, I want it this way. But other times it's, you're a good guitarist or you're a good drummer, you're a good whatever. Do your thing there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like what you're talking about is really applicable to people in bands mm-hmm. um, because I've been in situations... Or I've been the de facto leader of the band, sure. And after we play a song or whatever, they kind of look at they would look at me like, "Did we do it?" You know, <laughs> and yeah. and that that can be really exhausting if if you are like me. And um, one thing about this new Mountain Goats record that's really interesting is um, he talks about just not being a, a session, you know, for an entire day. Because he doesn't want to have his hands yeah. or just his presence being there um, is going to affect maybe what these musicians are going to do. Yeah. And he trusts the musicians enough. Exactly. And the producer enough. Like, I've already written the song. You guys make it how sure. you think it should be. Yeah. And in my own personal life, uh experienced a little bit of that last fall up at... Um, Dave Fridman's studio in, in upstate New York, recording new lips music, Wayne kind of took a different approach, saying, uh, you guys are going to record for a couple days with just Dave. I'm not going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And um, those kinds of techniques are really interesting to me. Yeah. Because I feel like Wayne being in the control room, hearing what you're putting on his song, there's there's... Good things about that because you're maybe, uh, I don't know, just more hyper aware of of uh, him hearing it. But you're also there's whether you say it or not, there's a part of you that says, "Oh, I'm not going to try that part that way because Wayne doesn't like yeah, that I kind want of yeah." Them and to accept what I'm doing and that he watching he. Uh, <laughs> You know the the job he has in the band is when we play the song we'd look at him and go, "Did we play it right? Sure, and I'm sure that can be exhausting. Um, so he said, "Here are these songs, here's the the skeletons of the songs. You guys spend a couple of days doing your thing yeah i'm not I'm gonna be over here in the somewhere else in the building mm-hmm. doing this, and let's we'll see what happens and those kinds of games they're not games, but those kinds of approaches and techniques are. Are um, that kind of games? Yeah, because it's you're you're playing with the rules, mm-hmm. the rules that you've set, and um, or the rules you've played by in the past, at least. And mm-hmm. you're saying, what happens now if you if you change the game a little? Yeah, it's fun. Um,
0: have you? Well, because you've been in that role before, do you like leaving it up to interpretation?
1: Um it's I'm thinking through this as an introvert, I'm thinking through the answer before I say it out loud. <laughs> um Yes. And it it depends on how much I love and am in awe of that musician. Sure. Because sometimes, if I've been in bands, and most all these bands I'm talking about are bands no one has ever heard of or <laughs> has any they you know these are just bands that, as a teenager and stuff I was pursuing, um, you know, if the musicians weren't that great, then you have to micromanage every little bit. Sure. and but if they're astounding musicians, and they do something that you never would have come up with on your own. Mm-hmm. And you're like, my God, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it's, I love to be surprised. The role I'm in now, people, I'm not in a position where people are playing pieces of music I've composed, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not like I'm putting myself out there that much. Um, I'm more on the other side of it. Than anything mm-hmm. right now. Do you want to be? No, no. <laughs> I mean, um, I think part of getting older is finding ways to stay sane and um, and make your life work for you. Mm. Um, you only have so much control over it, and um, <laughs> and to let things go. And um, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place of content and and where uh you know the ways i can express myself are uh are there you know the i'm not writing a lot of songs from start to finish and giving them to a band to play and sure um but i have my ways of um uh, adding to a a, a formula that mm-hmm. is kind of in place and um um so no no i'm I'm pretty good, yeah
0: no Derek Brown symphony
1: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to think about, but I don't know if I think it would just be for me uh personally. I don't know how much I would uh broadcast to the world, honestly-, mm-hmm. I think it'd just be me. Listening to it on headphones, going, you know, <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. An enjoyment out of it that way.
0: Yeah. Um, that is an interesting thing. So, like, there are people that make just their own music for themselves. Um, how much of that, like, because I, I feel like I have a, the part of me that is the extrovert that's like, I made a thing. Uh, like, you know, the, the child that draws something and yeah. like, shows it to the parent. Yeah. Other than, instead of just, like, the child that draws something and then, like, puts it in their binder that's full of other drawings. Yeah. And just never shows them to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, How much of that would you, I guess, rather have? Like, <laughs> would you rather have a whole bunch of music that you're just content with listening on your own, or do you want?
1: To show some of it. Uh, I, you know, I guess the having the binder full of music is, mm-hmm. is more appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I'm not indicating I have a binder full of music. Sure, sure. But, <laughs> um, but certainly I have a lot of things um, that no one's ever heard, yeah. you know, that I think are really great um, that... That urge to get it out to the world isn't as strong as it was 15 years ago. Sure. Yeah. To get that validation. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's gone. That's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: do you, do you ever put shades of that into, like, oh, jeez, they are, uh, getting the, the, the flood alerts or whatever? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, do you have, like, maybe in a session with the lips or something? Yeah. You're like, oh, here's a thing that I've been messing with.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the way it works with the lips, I suppose if I've had musical ideas that I've been thinking could be good for the band, I'll just send them. I'll, I'll create everything in my own controlled environment, the final mix and all that. And then send it to Wayne and Steven and say, uh, I don't know if this is something we could use in some way, or if this yeah. would help, uh, but this might be something for the lips. Mm-hmm. There's things that, like I made a piece of music the day my um, wife told me uh, she was pregnant for the first time. I just made this piece of music and I was like, I never am giving this to anybody. Sure. It's just for me. that. Yep. To commemorate the the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it. Um, there's different motives, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes behind. Yeah. Why am I making something?
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually just kind of thought about that—that that like, in the same way that a diary is, yeah. like writings for someone to process emotions and what they went through their day or whatever. Sometimes people put poetry and like, oh, here's just my like private feeling or whatever. Yeah. But you don't have to like (laughs) broadcast your diary out to the rest of the world. Some
1: people's social media is their them sending this, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um but I guess I hadn't thought of the idea of having music be a diary as well.
1: Yeah. I would say for me personally it, it's been that mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: so nobody asked Derek about that About that, you're piece. never going to hear you're that, you're that piece of music
1: it.
0: <laughs> um, and it's fine because it would be the equivalent of like sneaking in and reading someone's diary yeah I hadn't
1: quite <laughs> thought of it that way but you're right
0: yeah because um, I definitely do have poetry that I've written that I'm like I don't think this is a this is like a song thing. Nor is it like a put it out in places sort of thing. Right. Um, it helped me, and that's fine. That's all. It yeah, needs to yeah. <laughs>
1: I think that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. To think like that and to set those boundaries. Boundaries um, are important to me. Um, and you know, at times in my life when I've been less in control of things, you know, there haven't been as many boundaries that I've placed around me and uh, that didn't work out too well, you know.
0: Sure. I guess, is it, I mean, would it be weird to ask about the dynamic of the lips?
1: (laughs) No, I'll just not tell you the things the world don't need to know.
0: (laughs) Sure. Um so, yeah, like, what is the—because there are bands that, like, oh, everyone contributes equally, and then it—I don't think the Lips is that way.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think there's that many bands that are like that, honestly. Um, it'd be really hard to get a—it'd be really hard to produce a lot of results in a band sure. like that, where yeah. it's everyone. Um, the thing— that I probably struggled with the most in, in uh, being in bands over the years is not fully recognizing band dynamics and what, or appreciating what people that I've been in bands with are bringing to the table and what they're not bringing to the table and expecting them to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. And um, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I was a fool to be like that but um if if there's anything I can help students here at the school learn is maybe your role in an, a band and other people's role and trying to work on recognizing that because no, the lips aren't like that at all, mm-hmm. um and the lips are kind of a weird thing in that there are seven people in the band, yeah, so there's uh you know that's a lot of personalities. And there's certain people in the band that, um, are very passive and certain people that are very active and, um, uh, that's the way any band is, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at the Beatles, the Who, the Stones for every, you know, extrovert like Keith Moon or I think Mick Jagger's an extrovert. I think I've read that people think he's an introvert, uh. There's John Whistle, severe introvert. There's mm-hmm. Charlie Watts, you know. Um, you, can't, you can't have a band of five Steven Tylers, <laughs> you know. You got to have Tom Hamilton on the bass yeah. to, to even things out. Um, uh, so, for me, looking at each member of the band on paper as to what personality type they are and then look at it all as one big puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fascinating, whether it be the lips or it's the who, you know, going, okay, you know, how did this work?
0: Mm.
1: That's always really fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, There's that bit from, is it Let It Be, where George gets frustrated with Paul and says, you know, I'll play what you want me to play. If you don't want me to play, I won't play at all. You know, that's the classic <laughs> introvert dealing with an extrovert. Like, I don't know what it is you're trying to do, but I'm here to help. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. I don't know if that came close to answering your sure, question. Sure.
0: But yeah, but it's like, I, I guess it did. But, uh
1: band dynamics are yeah you've got you've got a lot of ego at stake you've got a lot of passion mm-hmm. you know this is someone's art this is the what this is you know the songs are extensions of how they're projecting themselves to the world um it gets really emotional mm-hmm. and um and it's amazing that's that's what makes bands so fun mm-hmm. you know as as far as just being a spectator yeah uh, there was a video uh on Twitter the other day it was Charlie Watts' birthday, and there was a, a video of uh them listening to a playback of wild horses, and it was just fixated on Charlie
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he's looking at the camera like, "Why are you filming me?" you know and there was a fill that he'd played that he when he hears it back, he kind of goes it kind of nods his head and puts his lips out like, eh, that was good yeah and then it pans over to Mick Jagger. As the song's ending and he's in full performance mode and he, you know, is making motions (laughs) with his his arms about how great and grandiose it is. And then he kind of claps and it's like, oh my God, what a great little clip to illustrate how different people can be. Yeah. You know, Um, that's, I would say if we're educating people here, maybe that's something we should talk more about.
0: Yeah. In a band of seven people, um, how does it not just, like, get drowned out, you know?
1: <laughs> how does what? How does it not just,
0: like, too much?
1: <laughs> well, everyone just has to uh, be comfortable in what their role is yeah and um jake Ingalls, one of the guys in the band he's also the main dude in his own band Mm -hmm. but in the lips role he's a supporting player yeah you know so he's someone living both lives right now yeah he's the guy that whips the troops into shape for his own van and gets things <laughs> sure. rolling and books the gigs and makes sure the gan- the van has gas and all that stuff. And um and with the lips, he just gets to uh you know, show up and play his parts and and support the the greater cause. And um and I think he's really good at knowing what he needs, what the situation needs from him, yeah, so I think everyone in the lips is very smart and um and several of the the guys like Nick Lay and and Matt Kirksey they've been in many, many bands over the years, mm-hmm. and these are guys that they they know about band dynamics and their place, yeah, you know, um. And not to say that sometimes it uh, doesn't—sometimes the balance gets out of whack, Mm -hmm. but um, I think if anything's going to function like that, like the lips do with seven people, uh, there's got to be—people just kind of have to know their role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: How does— I guess, like, promotion and management and stuff. How is that different for, like, the lips as it is for, you know, some band that's trying to get started out here at ACM or something?
1: Well, it's quite a bit different. <laughs> and I don't have the answers. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, of course, it's it's very different. Um I mean, the Lips have obviously made this career and are known for elements of the live show or the records or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when you're new, you don't have that identity forged yet. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important without getting too boring and, and... uh and approaching it in, in a way that I don't like to approach things you kind of have to as an artist you have to f- sort of find what are the things that I want to project out to the world yeah if they're going to start to become interested in my band and my music what do I want them to walk away from it thinking about me mm-hmm. and what do I want them to think um When they hear my music or when they read an interview with me you know you're you're branding yourself and um that can be really hard for some people um so with the lips it 's just continuing on the trajectory that the lips have been on for a long time, yeah, and adding to that as you go, but with a new band. I think it's, it's just important for a young artist to go look at it and say, what are my, what do I, what do I want to project out? Yeah. And um, I don't know if that really answers what you're asking, but you have to, you kind of have to find an identity and box yourself in a little bit
0: yeah (laughs) not
1: a lot but you know what i mean though
0: yeah yeah well
1: we're making a product (laughs) you are yeah and yeah you know everything you know this package of donuts (laughs) has a presentation to it um and, yeah, you're doing the same. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone hears this goes, oh, shut up, it's like, no, you are. Yeah. I mean, the, not to say the music isn't special and all that stuff, but yeah. you have to put it together in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, is a consistent experience for the people finding it.
0: Yeah. And then it's kind of a, a difficult quandary about selling art. Yeah. In that we, we talk about art in a way that it's like oh it's this you know priceless thing yeah. it's our communication of our heart or whatever and it's like but also it costs 3.99 per month for you to be able to like And that's the difference
1: between what we were saying <laughs> earlier between like here's the music that I made for me and then here's the stuff that's going out to the world sure you know i think they think you're touching on that
0: yeah um, and, I mean, there's still stuff that, like, there's still a way of selling that, mm-hmm. the, like, diary, if you will. And there's people who who do that. And, in a way, it's some of the songs that I, that I have, I am doing that. But, like, it's still kind of a weird <laughs> emotional thing to put yourself through as well. Because mm-hmm. not only are you like using the music as like a therapeutic form of expression, but it's also like
1: buy it. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm going to try to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And always not, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
0: Is there, I mean, is there an approach that, can be there with like obviously you you take a different ap- approach from someone who's like i make pop music listen to this fun crazy music and someone who's going i make very intimate music that's about you know emotions and relationships and now i'm going to put this out so that hopefully other people will enjoy
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and what i'm sorry what's the-
0: like how do you approach that differently? Like, how would you market the intimate type versus the...
1: Uh, (laughs) I guess there's just a difference in the authenticity. Uh, There'd have to be. I mean, when Taylor Swift's new song and video came out a few weeks ago, that the way that gets marketed should and is vastly, maybe it's not uh, obvious, but it should be vastly different than the way um, uh, Mount Erie made a record about his wife dying of cancer, you know, sure. which he put out. You know, it's like, um, unfortunately, there is a framework in the music industry that it all has to go through one certain kind of way, but... I guess um, there, with pop music, you can be big and dumb mm-hmm. and just have fun and not take it too seriously. And um, but if you're putting something out that's emotionally very heavy and um, serious, and your marketing, you know, should reflect that in a way it should be as tasteful as <laughs> what you're trying to push sure yeah
0: um authenticity actually comes up a lot in the conversation about music and especially business and everything
1: yeah um and i found out as an isfp that's supposedly my number 1 driver <laughs> you know <laughs> as, as like a cognitive function
0: yeah um how do you uh, I guess I keep asking these business questions because that's kind of more what uh more of what you do here at a c m but also because of what I need help with uh, <laughs> <laughs> um the how do you market authenticity
1: <laughs> I think you have to just do it with um integrity and and um uh, you can't make boisterous claims about sure. this shit's, you know, badass and I don't know, <laughs> you just you just have to you have to approach it in a way that doesn't compromise your value system and um and resonates with the people that are going to be open to hearing your thing,
0: mm.
1: you know, if, cause we all are tuned in different ways that if a commercial comes on TV and it's of a certain tone that I don't like, I'm immediately out. But if yeah. it's of a certain look and there's a song playing that is connecting me, um I guess if if we're talking about Santiago <laughs> and and marketing something that um, you, th- I think you can't you can't look at the Kanyes and and such as models for what
0: mm-hmm.
1: you just can't because it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to. Look at yourself and say, you know, if I'm talking to somebody in conversation and I'm wanting to point out some strength of mine, how do I do that? Okay, now how do I apply that to yeah my music and the world? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last thing. That was me skirting a question. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's something that you've been listening to watching and playing, if you play video games or reading that you want people to know about?
1: Um, I, I've been going to the library a lot this year, the public library, which, um, I think is, I don't know how many people go to the library.
0: still. Yeah. Those exist and they're great. They're
1: wonderful. (laughs) It's been really, been a really fun year. Um, not even reading the whole book, just getting a book, reading a few chapters, taking it back. Um, been reading a lot about personality theory. Uh I'm always reading about music. I'm always I'm typically always reading a, a Neil Peart um memoir. He's the he was the drummer in Rush and he yeah. writes a lot of travel books. Uh I love his travel books. I find myself when I'm not traveling, I read about traveling. <laughs> And um and music. Is that what was yeah. That? yeah. Um we talked about some of the things I've been obsessed with, but I think I'm just enjoying having access to almost everything in the world mm-hmm. with high speed internet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um like I said, being 37, you start to figure out what you like, and it's really good once you, someone uh, played a song the other day, and um, they're like, oh, I love this band. And um, within 20 seconds, and the singer came in, I said, that's oh, not for me. Huh. And they, I think they are like, you're an asshole. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I just know. Yeah, And there's so much good music that I haven't discovered yet mm. that I don't need to listen to the thing I know I don't like. Sure. Mm-hmm. You can still like it. It's cool. Yeah. There's um
0: too much out there to try it.
1: Try there's too to much. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just the other day, some Steven Steele solo song from a 1972 record I heard, I was like, that might be one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. And it's existed for my entire life. Yeah. How many more are there like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, I'm not gonna listen to foals. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: and then watching, if you...
1: Watching? Yeah. I, I'm less good at about that. Um, I find YouTube has just become my kind of TV yeah. because I pull it up and it kind of knows what I like. <laughs> um, Becoming one with the machine, Derek. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> we don't have cable at the house. We have the, the Hulu Netflix kind of set up, but... Yeah. Stop paying for the crazy cable. And I love it, but
0: yeah. I'd be surprised who is. Who yeah, does have cable anymore?
1: Yeah. But I mean, like people, and I don't know how people are getting shows like Barry and stuff that are on HBO, but um, uh, with the kids uh, and my three kids being the ages they are. There's just not a lot of time for that. <laughs> you know, I can listen to music at work or in the car, podcast or whatever. Um, I'm a huge digester of um, Mark Marin's What the Fuck podcast. Mm. I mean, every—I listen to—I try at least every episode every Monday and Thursday, so that's become a very ingrained part of my life for several, <laughs> several years. Um, yeah, I kind of have my routine of things I—, I constantly go through and digest yeah I had this one rule about um the Grateful Dead this year where I would be working in my office and I'd start a live show um because a lot of these live shows are completely available on YouTube yeah. org. yeah and I would make myself not skip ahead or our, you know I, even if they're like doing the worst version of Johnny Be Good or something, <laughs> I'd make myself stick it out and just listen and go. Oh, okay, there's something here that I don't know, I don't understand, I don't know about yet, and I'm just gonna make myself listen. So um, that's been one funny little, and it kind of helps with that like uh, attention deficit issue that I sometimes get, where you're like, mm-hmm. ah, f- I'm just gonna go to the next, next thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, I'm sticking it out. We're gonna listen to this set. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Experimentation is how we all learn. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, once again, thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Hey, thank you, man. It's been fun. <laughs> uh,
0: and once again, plug your stuff.
1: Uh, Flame Lips are going on tour this summer. And uh, come say hi.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you won't say it, I will. But like the Flaming Lips put on like some of the best live shows you will ever experience. So like, even if you don't listen to them, it's definitely worth going to see it because it's an experience.
1: You'll have fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, well, once again, I'm Santiago Ramones.
1: I'm Derek Brown.
0: You can find everything that I do on my website, Santiago Ramones.com. I make music. You can download my demo or pay for it. Songs with words, um, and I hope to someday put out this ambient album that I just have been waiting to get money for it, but like that'll be out eventually.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll listen to that.
0: Yeah. Um. I'll let me pull up the next show that I have. Um. I'm playing an acoustic gig at the Plaza District on July 6th in the morning, and I'm playing a acoustic electric gig at the Patriarch on July 19th, and that'll be at like 8 p.m. Uh, so come see it, come say hi, come hang out. Uh, I do a great variety of music. Uh, I was on my podcast with my three things they shape my life philosophy. Those three things are: love never fails, it's going to be okay. I might be wrong.